Welcome to Soaring the Sky, Glider Pilots Podcast. Hi, I'm Chuck. I'll be your host. Thanks for taking the time to check us out today. And joining me is Chris Snyder out of the Merlin Soaring Association in Richmond, Virginia. Chris, how are you doing? Hi, Chuck. I'm doing great. It's great to be with you. Yeah, thanks for coming on the show tonight. Chris and I, we actually haven't met yet, just speaking to each other, but not in person. So it's kind of cool that the soaring world, we can do that. It really is. It, it, it's been such a welcoming community ever since I've, I've been a part of it. And I, I just love that about soaring. How does your aviation story begin? Almost as far back as I can remember, I loved airplanes. Um, you know, as a kid, I was in that era of the remote control model aircraft and you know, they were still gasoline powered and through a number of fits and starts of, you know, crashing and rebuilding and crashing and rebuilding, I you know, kind of got the hang of that. Um, and then about the time I was 14, a, a family friend took us up for a flight and man, I was just so hooked on, on aviation and, and I just knew that I wanted to be a pilot. Unfortunately, my eyes weren't good enough to do you know, any commercial or military. So I recognized those avenues were closed, but I still knew I wanted to be a pilot and kind of just, you know, harbored those, those, uh, that dream. And, uh, I can remember, you know, on my 21st birthday going out to the airport, I had seen this air show performer named John Greenwood fly. And he did the, his patented barrel, no, not barrel snap roll on takeoff. And it was the most insane thing I'd ever seen, right? You know, oh, wow. On takeoff. On That's... takeoff. Imagine, you know, it's it's hard enough for us to just, you know, stay on toe on takeoff. Imagine right. doing a snap roll where you're like two wingspans high. Oh, incredible. And uh, so anyway, I was like, well, I guess if he could do that, he can take me up and I'll survive. And Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I needless to say, I, I probably had a little too much to eat before going up with Mr. Greenwood and uh, – even though he, he got me down on the ground pretty quick, I, I managed to, uh, I lost my breakfast. So, But again, that just kind of stoked the, the fires of aviation. And about a year later, I was in my senior year of college and I said, you know, I've got just a little bit of time and a little bit of money saved up. This seems like a great time to really knock this out. And so I started my, my flight training and uh, was able to, to finish up my, my private pilot license uh, by the time I was about 22, and it was it was a great fun thing to do with my my girlfriend at the time, who's now my wife, and you know we flew all over Virginia and took little trips here and there, and uh, it was about you know two or three years into it, we started to think about having kids, and you know my wife got to choose between airplanes and kids, and uh, she right. did she did not choose airplanes, I, <laughs> <laughs> so I followed that well worn path of you know. Having children kind of put a little bit of a damper on all my aviation enthusiasm, but it was always there, sort of simmering. Oh yeah, it never goes away. That kind of happened to me too. But started early on like that, and then later on, you know, started a family. Kind of got away from it for a while, but mm -hmm, mm -hmm, for sure. How did you transition into gliders then? So you flew some powered for a while, and you said you stepped away, and then what happened? Well, I was away about nine years. And I saw one of our, our local PBS stations had uh, an interview with a, a glider pilot that flew in a town near where I lived. And so I was really intrigued and I was like, wow, that's really interesting. And I hadn't even heard of gliders. I kind of knew of hang gliders, just never really gave any thought to you know, soaring, so to sailplanes. 
And so when I went out to the field to see these two airplanes hooked together, and I'm like, what is this? This is so unusual to me, right? As a power pilot, nothing about this looked safe or, you know, uh, normal. And, uh, but, but after I got to talking to him, you know, he, he had been flying gliders for 35, 40 years, and just he had such an enthusiasm for the sport, I was intrigued. It still, however, was not the right time having kids. And so another couple years went by, and this time my kids were old enough I could bring them out to the airport. So I brought them out, and it still wasn't the right time. So another couple years went by. So, I mean, I've really been now nursing this this sort of aviation addiction for, for going on 15 years hiatus, and I finally kind of tiptoed back into aviation. I asked my wife, I said, you know, I'm really, the more I look at this, this looks like the perfect way for me to just connect with some fellow pilots and get, you know, knock the rust off of my, my pilot certificate. And so it was about three and a half years ago, I, I joined the Merlin Soaring Association and they, they have mentored me and, and gotten my glider add-on through that time. Oh, that's great. What was your first glider you flew then? We what? were flying a Schweitzer 233. And okay. I'll, I'll admit to not being, you know, in the on the brochure. You see all those like real sleek, fast-looking gliders, and, and this, <laughs> right. it's like the Piper Cub of gliders, right? So it right. maybe it didn't quite gin up that feeling of excitement. But the more I've I've learned about it, the more I realize it's a perfect training aircraft, and it, it- really. You know, knocks those rough edges off of us early glider pilots. Oh, it is. That's that's actually what I trained on too. They they do the job definitely. Mm-hmm. And and I'll say, you know, we've we've got some students in our club that even though I'm now flying my own ship, I you know I bought a a, a little single seat glass ship, a DG two hundred. There's oh, days nice. where I'm I'm looking up at them saying. Wow, you know they're doing a great job. I'm such a terrible pilot. I, you know, uh, I, I just wish I could fly as well as that 233 over there. <laughs> and you know the 233, it will. You know, you get you get some good thermals, and yeah, it'll take you up. It, oh, it's kind of sure. crazy. Yeah, I've hooked a couple of people. You know, taking them up for a ride on the 233, and it's got a great view and maybe a little drafty, but uh, but very very pure. It's a very pure experience for sure. Yeah, my instructor used to actually open the back, you know, side window, oh, and nice. he always hung out with, had his arm hanging out, was looking <laughs> down. It was kind of cool. It's like it's, a, oh yeah, it's, it's kind of crazy because it opens up the cockpit a little bit. And yeah, he's just chilling with his arm out, you know, watching while I'm flying. It was cool though. Oh, I'll bet it was. That sounds like a that sounds like a fun way to do it. So you're flying the GG200. Yes. What's the yes. glide ratio on that one? I think the book says 41. If, if you get everything tuned up just right, I, I have yet to see anywhere near that on my little right. glide computer. But but it makes me feel a, a little faster anyway when I can point the nose down and it quickly accelerates to 100 knots. Although I did that over the field one day and, and one of the guys called up from the, the ground. The line said, does that thing have an engine? Because it's sure making a lot of noise. <laughs> so I, yeah, I, they make noise when they go by. People don't yeah. think about that, but they do. Yeah, for sure. What's the stall speed on that? 40 knots, maybe oh, 41. Okay. Oh, that's nice. I did a little bit of my homework, but you told me you were flying the DG200 when we were speaking earlier. So I was looking at it. That's really a nice-looking glider. Oh, it really is. I, I, I It's my desktop background. 
So whenever I'm having a, you know, a stressful day at work, I just kind of, I minimize everything, take a look at my, my glider sitting out at the airport and uh, it just really transports me to uh, a better place. Right. And I just can't wait to get back out there again. Oh, definitely. You know, when you're out there flying, there's always those interesting flights. What has some of yours been? Well, early on, we have a, a cross-country minded group and, you know, I would be on the ground doing my training flights. You'd get a couple patterns and here somebody pulls a glass ship up to the line and takes off at, you know, one o'clock. And I've seen this pattern before. They don't come back until almost sundown, you know, five hours later. And, oh, yeah, and here I'm right. struggling to, you know, stay alive for like 20 minutes on my attempts. And so when I finally, you know, transitioned, our club has a, has a two-seat, what we call our cross-country trainer. It's a, a two-seat lark, right? Okay. And, and that was sort of my first taste of, you know, hey, here's a glider with a little bit of performance. It's, you know, it got those handling that you're starting to associate with, you know, a little higher performance, adverse y'all to, to boot. So you really work the rudders. And, and so I said, okay, I'm going to be like those guys. I'm going to set a task on my little glide computer. And, you know, while I'm going to stay within glide range because I've heard it is an absolute dread to disassemble this in a field somewhere but i'm still going to stretch my legs just a little bit and so i you know head off into the wind and you know i'm watching all my parameters checking my glide distances and seeing that airport slide further and further up the canopy thinking hmm yeah this is this is really you know they say don't you know for your first ones stay within about half your glide ratio so you know i'm working with figure about 32 to one so Right, you know, 16. I better have my nose pointed back at the at the airfield, and that, that should be a comfortable return. And so I, I hit that number right about 15, 16. And I'm like, okay, all right, all right. You didn't quite make your turn, but that's okay. Don't get fixated. You know, let's let's start moving back towards the airfield. And about that time, I hit some sink. Oh. And you know, I'm like, this is about this is the furthest I've ever been away from the airport. And now that airport is sliding up the canopy fast. And oh, wow. the glide computer is saying that to me, terrifying thing of distant, you know, a ratio needed to get back to the airport, like, you know, twenty three, current average like twenty. And I'm thinking, Oh no, what did I, what have I done? Right. And so the adrenaline just starts flowing and thinking, Oh, better should I maybe make a radio call and tell them to, you know, send out the crash trucks, <laughs> get ready to you know, do a retrieve or something. And uh, right. I'm still headed to best glide ratio now, headed back to the airfield and, you know, palms sweaty, everything's getting so stressful. And sure enough, feel that little bump of lift, you know, a little bump. And I'm like, oh, oh, this is a, this is lift. It's lift, you know. And so get, you know, maybe two or three knots on the Vario, crank it in. And, oh, what a relief, you know. What uh, a relief right? to, to finally, you know, get, you know, gain that extra 500,000 feet. I forget what it was that, that put me back into a, you know, safe glide range. And But, boy, that, like, I, I will say since then, I... I <laughs> have been reluctant to cut those cut those cords but but working towards that for sure oh i understand that i've had a couple situations where went over the trees a little lower than i would like to coming in <laughs> now i give myself plenty of altitude and and time to get back because yeah you, you can hit that sink and it can get crazy really quick what kind of soaring do you all do down at Merlin? Um, I'm not familiar with the Richmond area, so mm-hmm. yeah, topographically it's it's a very flat area. Um, however, we we do have mountains, the uh, Shenandoah Appalachia Appalachian Mountains, about 
50 miles northwest of us. Okay. So for the most part, we're doing thermal soaring, and uh, we've got a couple of hot shots, which will they'll, they'll turn two or 300-kilometer days once once the weather gets a little better on a regular basis. Okay. Um, and, and so we have sort of what we call our milk run, and we you know so we'll we'll typically try to fly within glide range of other airports just to be mindful of you know not having to make a big retrieve. I'm hoping to be you know to to not change that either. Uh, yeah. Because we don't have a ton of people out of the field, but there, there's a sticker on on the side of my glider which is a cow, and everyone always asks me why is there a cow on the side of your uh, and, and it's like in the old World War II planes where they would put a kill, you know. So right. I guess I have to go find some more cow stickers in case I land out. So <laughs> each land out gets a cow. Uh, that's good. I like that. Yeah, I think that that is probably a good sort of marker. I say so. So primarily thermal soaring, but on those those windy northwest days, occasionally we will get in contact with with some pretty good wave. And uh, we've had our guys take it to about 12,000 is, is the highest that we've gotten. So it, nice. it's a pretty a nice interesting altitude. area to soar. That's fair. That's a nice altitude. I haven't been up quite that high. I'm still under 10s. I'm way under 10. I think 6 is about the highest I've seen an altimeter go. Well, it's as I talked on the last podcast, yeah, I got lucky one day. And I, I say lucky because that's what it was because I wasn't used to a whole lot of thermaling yet. And I just got lucky and got a couple real strong thermals. Mm. It, it kind of uh, made me kind of nervous there for a while because I wasn't expecting it. But, yeah, it's it's kind of crazy. Yeah. But, I, I'd say one of the other features that I love, and it's probably common to many soaring sites, but just thermaling with birds, you know. Oh, it's Absolutely. not uncommon to be turning with a bald eagle or a beautiful hawk. And, yeah, that is that is just such a – you're just so in the moment when you're turning and you're watching those guys. And I don't know. I always try to, you know, watch where they're going because they, you know, they always center that best lift. Absolutely. That, that's that's definitely – between that and then, you know, I, I think you'd seen the, the video that my club posted last week. But we, we love getting into gaggles and just – you know, sharing that that eyeball to eyeball experience of soaring, and you know, it's it's a it's a fantastic community and a, a sport that I I'll see doing the rest of my life. That is very cool. Now, if somebody wants to see that video, are they able to go on there and check it out? Yeah, if you search up the uh, the Merlin Soaring Association on Facebook, I don't even think you have to be a member because it's just our club website. Okay. We're trying to, to make a, a regular habit of it, and I actually got my, my family involved, right? My kids are now old enough to be technologically very savvy. My son's a, a YouTuber. So nice. We together a fun little edit with uh, complete with, with vlog music and everything, so... Yeah, I saw it. He actually did a great <laughs> job on that. I said he might have a future in television or radio. Yeah, he's been beaming. You know, I, I, when I told him that the Soaring Society of America shared his post he was ecstatic that's awesome if you weren't flying the dg200 and funds were unlimited what's your dream glider anyone that's been on youtube very long has probably seen uh, bruno vassal right and and his oh, beautiful yeah. asw I, i'd say having seen one up close it would be hard to to imagine doing better than that to have that kind of performance and uh <clears throat> that kind of a panel and maybe even a little more room, because I'll say, yeah, I'm not sure what they were doing in 1979, but uh, I'm six feet four inches, and and I it is a, a shoehorn to get into my little uh, two piece canopy. Yeah, that's one thing when I started getting into flying gliders. Uh, sometimes I would look at them and like, 
they're they're not real big as far as you know you're in the cockpit you're kind of tucked in there and you know you have a little bit of room but not much (laughs) oh that's that is the truth and and what i the purchase process for me was a really interesting and obviously it's a very fun process right the searching on wings and wheels and you know looking at all the different gliders available and i was so fortunate because one of my the members of my club had actually seen this glider uh, for sale locally and kind of gave me a little tip like, hey, this, this glider's for sale. You really ought to take a look at it. And, you know, the more I looked at it, I was like, wow, you know, for its age, the finish was in great shape. And, you know, it seemed like it had great performance for the money. So it, it was checking all the boxes. But when I first sat in it, I was like, oh, no, this is a big glider, you know, and, and like the the, the prior owner he was a, a short much shorter than i was so you know we, we kind of like took out as much of the padding and all of the things as we could but we started looking at like well if you cut here and you saw here and i was like it was it was a little bit of a you know nervous process at first but i, I have managed to adapt the head the headrest was sort of that last little sticking point of um how can i comfortably sit in this thing for three hours or more they always seem like they're ahead of their time when it comes to the gliders. They look so like almost something you'd see now or even in the future. They're just so aerodynamic. Those glass ships are just, they're incredible. They really are. And and to see that they were using, I think the year after mine, you know, 80 or 81, DG started using carbon fiber in their wing spars. It just, I, I wasn't aware of composites being used in just about anything other than race cars, you know, Formula One back then in the early 80s. So I, Gliders, you're right, they just seem to always be sort of pushing that that uh, technology uh, envelope forward, even though it's a relatively small community. Do you have any other flights that really stand out in your mind that you would do I, again, or maybe you feel like, oh, I don't want to fly that one again? I, I thought your your first solo, you know, which for me was in power, was, was so memorable. But I will say that First solo in glider for me. I don't know if it was the time away from it that made it so memorable, but but boy, that was it. Just felt like such an accomplishment again, right? And you know that the the just euphoria of of soaring of soloing again was was definitely you know another one of those moments that I'll, I'll never forget in in life. And and I'll say that you know my first flight. In, a, in my glass ship, which was also sort of my first flight in a glass ship, was also very, very memorable. Uh, you know, all those unknowns. It's got a CG tow hook. So how will that be on rollout? And I was assured by another member who has a DG. He's like, oh, it's nothing. It's a non-event. You know, will, will I be prepared for the pitch sensitivity or even roll sensitivity? And as you know, things happen fast on takeoff roll and flying formation with another aircraft just 200 feet in front of you. It, it definitely is, is always challenging. I'll say that that first flight in the glass ship, man, I was just over the moon, absolutely in love with the, my little my little ship. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, you know, people don't think about it, I think, so much empowered, and I didn't really think about it either when I got into gliders, but we do have to fly in formation every time we take off. And people are, you know, that don't know about it, they've asked me, what do you mean fly in formation? I'm like, those two aircraft have to stay with each other so he's dependent on you you're depending on him and you have to do that till you're released absolutely and and for me that was one of the hardest 
concepts or, or you know skills that I had to master that you know I, I would turn too much and I'd be inside you know or I'd be outside and then Slack would develop and I just I, it really wasn't clicking for me at first. That's a tough one for a lot of people. It was actually tough for me too. Boxing the wake, you know, was was mm-hmm. a big one where mm-hmm. we actually, for people that don't know, in the glider world, you actually make a box around the tow plane to show that you have control of the glider and that you're able to put it where it needs to go. That was a tough one for me. It really was. Yeah, it, it, you're right. I, I wasn't I'm not sure at first I conceptualized there's this wake, almost like a speedboat or has a wake if you've ever been water skiing behind a speedboat. I think the, the effect of the power plane is very similar. And you, know, you get in that wake and it just starts to, to shudder you being able to circle around that wake. Or being yeah. on, on low toe even. That that is a very unusual attitude, right? To be so far below the toe plane. It is kind of strange. You're kind of looking up at it. It's it's it is a very very weird feeling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I do a bit of towing, uh, although less so now that we've we've kind of got our, our um, bunch of tow pilots available. But when we were shorthanded, I would take my turn in the tug and you know, it's a little different on the front end of the rope. You, you can tell when the when the students are or learning their maneuvers back there. A little more challenging. Yeah, yeah, yeah it has it has that, you know, it's just but for me, I, I much prefer to let let the power guys, power only guys take that role on. What do you like about gliders that you didn't find empowered? Well, you know, I, I've been a lifelong sailor and to me gliders are almost like that. It's like a three-dimensional sailboat, if you will, right? And I yeah. we say that we sail the sky and just like in sailing, you don't necessarily have to have a destination in mind. You know, it's not a practical means of transport, typically, in a glider. You're not going to fly to another club, land, and maybe you could beg them for a, a range of a tow to get back airborne again. I, I've right. yet to uh, pull that stunt off. But, you know, it's really just about the sport. I, I find that I haven't even scratched the surface of the challenge. You know, I used to even race sailboats, so... When I look at how they race sailplanes and think, you know, just all of the the sort of the math and the, the art of the racing combining, just it's it's like the ultimate sort of chess in the sky kind of a thing. Yeah, going out and flying a glider for the day is just, I mean, to me, it's, I haven't even touched the racing part of it, but just going out and flying the glider and being in the air and taking it all in and like you're talking about hawks and eagles, I've flown with a lot of red-tailed hawks, and but I just I just think that going out for the day and soaring just I'm ready for the week when I'm when I come home and walk in the door and I've been flying for a couple hours, you know, it's just it just kind of resets you, you know. Oh, for sure, you know, it just I, I do feel so energized. That and the community of, of of friends out at the airfield, you know, that's in power. It was to me so much more of a practical. Sort of a oh I want to go to the beach or I want to go to the mountains I want to go somewhere yeah it, but it wasn't necessarily about the flying for me when I was in power but for me it's as much about just being around my friends just being part of a community you know being some days I'll just be working ground and I tell you I don't know where all the hours go and I look back and I say wow I was at the field for six seven eight hours. Yeah, the and sun's going down. <laughs> sun's going down. You're helping put away some gliders, and oh, I, to me, it's just it's the best way to spend a day. Um, I, I, I absolutely love it out there. 
And, you it know, is. for us, we're in this little grass airport, so it's that throwback. Oh, nice. Right? So, like so many glider ports are, ours is a private grass strip, and we do share it with the homeowners along the way. Uh, so it's it's fun to have an occasional guest, but we don't really have any power traffic to mix in. Okay, nice. I've been visiting my up up near my father in the Philadelphia area. I think it's Brandywine soaring, and they're such a friendly bunch as well. But they fly at a very busy little, you know, general aviation airport with a they have a grass runway right next to the the asphalt runway. And uh, my my hats off to them. I flew with them one time in their Blanick, and I'm like, wow, you guys managed to work in with. You know, I, I swear it was like two or three landing aircraft a minute. So they had to be on their game for sure. Yeah, because you got those guys coming and going. I mean, yeah, we're, we are prioritized as far as gliders because we don't have an engine. But still, to keep an eye on all that, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're, they're sure to call in their radio call. You know, this is Glider 234. Right, exactly. They, they, don't, they don't go by their, their two-letter call sign like we do up here in Maryland. For those people out there that are thinking about gliders, maybe they're thinking about powered, especially for gliders, since that's what we do, what would you say to them about learning how to fly a glider? Everything that I've heard, and I've heard from people who have actually gone with learning gliders first, is that the skills that you learn, you know, the old adage, stick and rudder flying we do with gliders, is such a good primary training or primacy i think the cfis call it right where the thing that you learn first is what is strongest and if you learn to land on one wheel then learning like most of our gliders have a central mounted wheel right where we're we're rolling out on a single wheel we have to fly it all the way till we stop yeah and we know we've done a really good landing when the the airplane stops before the wing touches the ground because you know eventually a wing dips down and that is, that's the pride of that is, is, is real good. But I'll say that in my own experience, I, I had a fascination with tailwheel and, and we had a tailwheel instructor at the at the little grass airport. So I went up with him a couple times and I mean, he was ready to sign me off after two because, you know, we're landing crosswind on one wheel. And I'm like, what's the big deal? You know, I'm used to landing on one wheel and you know, using your rudder is just a natural part of it with gliders. And I would I would encourage folks that because it's 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 good for you as well as it's a good community right you're, you're going to be encouraged by the people around you where when i first flew i had a great instructor but it was you know it was just that single relationship that that single thread is what kept me going to get my my private pilot certificate and i really like what i see with our we've got a number of students all training together and when it's not their turn to fly, they're sitting on the ground, they're talking through what, how their last flight went. If you, if you love aviation, being a part of a, of a glider club is going to really feed that. The first time I was at the glider club that I'm at, at now in Cumberland, I already felt like I was part of them. And I had just, you know, I had just been standing there talking to them for about an hour or so. And I, I knew right away, I was like, this is the club for me. It was just great right off the bat yeah for sure for sure everyone is so welcoming and and, you know i see people just wanting to 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 grow the sport you know that is i think that's true in in power as well but but because it takes a team you can't unless you have a a self-launching glider you know you're you're gonna need a a team to get you up in the air and yeah 
And I like that aspect about it. Yeah, we're de- we're depending on each other. You know, someone asked me a while back. I was talking about taking off and the tow, and they're like, "Well, you really have to trust the pilot." Then I said, "Yeah, and he really has to trust me because you kind of put each other's life in your hands because you have to fly that tow correctly and stay where you need to be because you know, like you said, it happens fast." You know, there's never a question. It's like we all fly, we all help each other out, and we all have each other's back, and that's what's really great about it. Absolutely. I, I consider the, the pilots that I fly with and the students that I fly with some of my closest friends be, because of that. You know, there is there is an aspect of risk that we're all taking on, but we're all working together to to make it as safe as we can. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a great community. It is. Chris, thank you for coming on this show today. Um, as you know... We're still a very young podcast, but I have to tell you, the response that we've gotten is absolutely, I'm, I'm amazed. I mean, I'm, I'm very much encouraged. And, you know, you got a hold of me. You didn't know me. I didn't know you, but you're willing to take your time. And it's all because we love soaring. We love flying and we want to let other people know how great it is. Thank you for that. Oh, absolutely, Chuck. It, it, it's been a pleasure to, to hear a soaring podcast. I listen to other podcasts and have always wanted a soaring podcast so when i saw yours pop up i was tickled so i will definitely i'm definitely subscribed and we'll be listening to each one you put out i'm glad to glad to be a part of one thank you you know i feel like it's not really my podcast i feel like it's our podcast it's the whole community's podcast that's that's what i want it to be and it's it's been really great so far oh that's great and if you'd like to be part of the podcast All you need to do is get online, www.soaringthesky.com, scroll down. You can drop us a line, leave us an email. Love to have you on the show. Let us know your experience of Soaring the Sky. Once again, thanks for joining us today. Thanks again, Chris. It has been a lot of fun. And we will talk to you next time right here on Soaring the Sky.